0: Gosh, kids get hurt. We all know that, but when it's a serious injury, what can you do to make
1: sure you remain calm and, in turn, keep your kid calm? And we all know that toddlers have tantrums, but yeah. what about when that tantrum resembles a, like a full scale prison riot <laughs> level of destruction? How can you possibly de-escalate from that? All this and more we'll talk about today on DadPod. SLEEPING and yes, this is Dad Pod once again. Two dads, uh, myself, Osher Ginsberg, and that man, Charlie Clawson, who found a, an empty cupboard of Australian dad-related podcasts and went, well, shit, I guess we'll just make one. Yeah, why not? Are you dry, Charlie Clawson? We're recording this right after your immediate Northern Rivers area was essentially no longer a Northern Rivers but a Northern Lake. Yeah. And uh, you were knee-deep in the swill helping out your na- neighbours. Um, it must have been intense.
0: As a father, and because that's what this podcast is all about, yeah. it does kind of make you worry about the future. And, and you know, the, a lot of the people that we've been helping have been families and a lot of the people who have been yeah. most badly affected by this are families. If you go on to the uh, Northern Rivers Resilience Facebook page, I mean, there are a ton of kind of flood pages at the moment. That is the number one issue is how to rehome all these families who have, who have lost everything.
1: You waited right in there and I'm not even, that's no pun, you, you, were, you were right in there, you were getting in the mud, you were getting in the swell. You
0: know, I don't want to overstate my role in any of this. You know, I've done a couple of days. Like it's, you know, there is people who have been on the ground since day one, pretty much 24-7. I just went in when I had time and by that stage, you know, the waters had pretty much receded and everyone was starting to clean up. It was kind of surreal to see these like what is essentially just like a, just any town in Australia, suburban you know, neighbourhood, trees down the street, but everything's covered in mud and out the front of every house is a pile of rubbish. And I did see kids walking down the streets that they probably played cricket in, kicked the footy in, and then adjusting to this new normal. And I think that was what affected me the most was talking to the locals that had been affected was what you do when you have kids and there's floodwaters at your doorstep. That was the bit that really got me because I can totally identify with that, and as i 'm sure most people listening to this would is that becomes your number one priority is how do I keep my kids safe and then once you get out of the immediate danger, then it 's like, well, how do I rebuild yeah.
1: my life going forward? This is the world that we 're bringing kids into and being a part of this and creating resilience around this and being ready for these sorts of things, just all a part of what life will be from this day on. And, and we can all learn from them and we'll get by and we'll cope and we'll all become better people for it. We'll make more resilient, more sustainable supply chains. We will think more about where we live and how we live and it'll all get better because God, we don't want to keep doing this, do we? Surely no. not.
0: Well, speaking <laughs> of resilience, oh shit, that's a lovely little segue into something that I wanted to talk about prior to the floods was something that uh, Gemma and I had to deal with.
1: In the pre-apocalypse
0: times? In the pre-apocalypse. Well, Gemma actually, she uh, took Iona. I needed to do some riding on the weekend, and so Gemma took Iona up to the Gold Coast for a weekend. She's going to catch up with friends and just have a a mummy-daughter day on the Gold Coast as the rains were starting. And so are you familiar with the uh, trampoline chain bounce? So Bounce is like a centre that's basically Thunderdome, but it's filled with trampolines. Fucking
1: yes. Right. Well, I've shot a Bachelor group date in one of them, and uh, my Bounce story is that as you walk in through the, the gate, it says everything out of your pockets. Do not have anything in your pockets at all. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, no problem. But all my script notes are on my phone, so I'll just have my notes on my phone. Anyway, That I go over onto one of the big Olympic trampolines, and I'm like, I haven't been one of these in ages. And I was like, fuck, yeah, look how high I am. This is amazing. I'm up in the air, and at this time, my iPhone 6, would have had a shit battery, so it had the big battery pack on the back, so it weighed about a half a kilo. Yeah. Came out of my pocket midair, I'm like, oh, that's not good. And then we both kind of descended at the same speed, and then as I bounced, it hit just a second before and I'm looking at it and the thing flew up and like a Double fucking bounced. bullet got me in the corner of my eye oh my and God. my eye started, the corner of my eye started bleeding and I and they are just setting all the bachelor people up to start, you know, okay, is going to come over and tell you what the group date's about. I'm like, fucking hell. And the safety guy- who's a, you know, safety guys are hard asses because they try to keep people alive. And he told me, cave everything out of your pockets. I'm like, fucking hell, I've just done what he <laughs> didn't tell me to do. And now my eye's bleeding. And so I had to get two camera people and my wardrobe stylist, Mel, say, can you just block me from Roger? And I said to Carla, who's my makeup artist, like Carla, get the stiptic. The stiptic <laughs> is a makeup thing that they use to stop bleeding. She goes, it's near my eye. You've got to, we've got about two minutes. You've got to stop me bleeding. And sure enough, they were able to, and I talked to the camera guys like, make me stand over there. So my other eye is facing the camera he goes, yeah can <laughs> <laughs>
0: Instead of giving a rose that day, did you give a bag of frozen peas? He <laughs> just took it off Pretty your face. Pretty much. And <laughs> it's a, they're
1: dangerous places.
0: Yeah. So I was just blissfully unaware back in um, the Northern Rivers just doing some work, and I get the phone call that you never want to get, which is, honey, we're at the hospital. Oh, fuck. And what had happened is that um, Jen was just about to leave. Iona had wanted to have a little, you know, uh, Je- Iona's favourite phrase at the moment is five more minutes, five, which, mean, oh, yeah. which could be anywhere between five and 20 And so uh, Jen was letting her have her bounce this trampoline and a wave of slightly older kids came rushing in. And one kid went and did a backflip off, um, you know, one of the edges of the tramps and didn't see Iona and landed on her, like full-bodied body slam landed on her. Iona got up screaming, her arm limp, hanging by her side. They didn't know what had happened if she'd broken her arm or, or if it was something more serious. The staff there were great. They uh, called an ambulance, tried not to move her as much as possible.
1: Were they able to hold Gemma from her, <laughs> you know, William Wallace-sized <laughs> rage just destroying this kid's parents for not being on top of shit? Well, the parents were nowhere to be seen. Of uh, fucking course! <laughs> That's when I'm at the park and the big kids show up, the parents are like, they're fucking way over there. Well, she said,
0: it. I asked about that and she said, look, the kid, it was an accident. Like, he's a kid he didn't know. He, yeah. just, he, he jumped before he looked. Gem did sort of say to him, you know, told him off. The kid apologized, stuck around, but he's a kid. What's he going to do? So eventually yeah, he yeah, scarpered yeah, off. Yeah. And by then there was sort of bigger fish to fry. So I get the phone call and it was one of these situations where I was kind of stranded. I couldn't get to them. The rain was bucketing down by then. It was inefficient for me to travel up to the Gold Coast unless we found out that it was, you know, she's going to stay in hospital or something. New. So I was doing that thing of like waiting for the phone to ring because would, ah. she called me to tell me like, hey, we're in the waiting room. They've just given her like a little pain whistle. I'll let you know what's going on. So I was pretty anxious because at that stage I didn't know, am I going to find out that her arm's been broken in three places? And then, of yeah. course, the other thing comes in of the guilt. It's like, oh, God, like, yeah. you know, was I being selfish asking for a weekend so I could just work and all this kind of stuff. So the, the, the phone calls, as with each subsequent phone call, the, the prognosis got better and better. Um, they did an X-ray. It wasn't broken, but she still couldn't move her arm. They didn't know why. They finally got to see a specialist. And apparently, I don't know if you know this, Osh, or if any of our listeners know this, but dislocated elbows with children are very, very common. It's actually called a pulled elbow. And I know this because when Jem said, oh, look, the doctor said it's fine. It's called a pulled elbow. I Googled it. And when you go to the wikiHow, you know, that infographic, Uh the example they use is like a toddler. And so what it means is as the kids' bodies are forming, the ligaments that hold the upper part of our arm to the lower part of our arm, for adults we have a little groove which hold those ligaments in place. But for kids that groove hasn't formed properly yet. So those ligaments are very... Susceptible to movement, so all the doctor did literally was just manipulate the ligament. It slipped back into place, and she was fine—no pain, could move her arm again, completely no problem. So that was good news, and you know, Jen was ready to bring her home, and and we were all relieved. So she gets back home. We take her into bed with us. We're like, "Well, you know, she's had a rough day, so let's just let her sleep with us, just in the big bed, in the big bed." But then we woke up in the morning, her arm wasn't moving. And she was in a lot of pain. And again, like this sort of like, you know, it's the panic of like, is something, did they misdiagnose or or something serious yeah. happened? And so we get back into the car, we go to our local hospital. Again, the doctor comes out, says, no, it's a pulled elbow. little manipulation, bang, the elbow moves again. Iona's completely fine. But the thing it kind of brought up for me is, am I being helpful in this situation? Because there is this two things going on, isn't there? There's the kid's distress and there's your own distress and i have a tendency when i get stressed to get very calm and very kind of like rational and maybe uh-huh. to my own detriment where it's like maybe there need some urgency here but i'm sort of like yeah. my body goes into kind of like well let's just you know let's uh, maybe it's not as bad How can as- you
1: be so relaxed at a time <laughs> like this charlie show some concern exactly exactly i've been there mate trust me i've been there yeah So this, and we've been really
0: lucky, like I own is two and a half and this is probably the most serious incident she's Mm. had to this point. You know, we've done a couple of hospital visits over sort of, you know, high temperatures and things like that. But this was one where we had to get into an ambulance where we thought that maybe, you know, she'd broken her arm. So I'm really keen to know, like, your take on on, has Wolfie had a serious injury like that and
1: how did you respond? I'm touching all the wood that I can. Uh, No, not yet. He hasn't had a serious injury like that yet. So far, it's been pretty good. We've been really lucky. But having said that, he's a little boy and little boys, some, they're like, every day is, please don't jump off that. <laughs> please don't pull that thing from above your head. Please keep your hands out. Like, we are just literally trying to stop him from doing something that will injure him gravely every well, 48 happen, to 90 right? seconds. It will happen. It's, it's going it's it's to happen. It's just
0: a matter of time. And
1: how do you think yeah, you'll cope with it? Um, probably okay. I think I'm similar to you in that if it's a physical thing, then it's a, well, this is a problem to be solved and Mm -hmm. therefore it's okay. It's not this kind of nebulous future. What if Mm. it's a, okay, well, this has happened. Well, we'll either stitch this up or put it in a cast or, you know, get some antibiotics or whatever you like, there's a, it's a problem to be solved. So therefore there's a pathway from here to better. Um, so I'm generally pretty calm about that kind of stuff. And it's only after I think, it's only after it that I have the, sh- the shuddering sobs in the corner. <laughs>
0: well, let, let me tell you. Uh, so I did my research on the pulled elbow after this incident. And so apparently, and this is good advice for any dads out there who love a bit of roughhousing with their kids or just love getting physical with their kids, the number one cause of a pulled elbow is when you get your kid by the hands and you swing them around in a circle. That is uh, the number one cause of the pulled elbow, according to our,
1: our, our doctor. <laughs> Then I will be very careful about <laughs> doing. I such love a doing thing. that.
0: Iona loves it as well. We've done it like all the time. But having yeah. seen it happen, and you can understand how easy it would be. You know, all they need to do yeah. is bend their elbow at the wrong time, and boop, that ligament yeah. pops out. The good news yeah. is no permanent damage. It's not long term. It's not even particularly painful. It's just you'll notice if it does happen to your kid because their arm goes limp, and they do that thing where they put it across their belly just to protect it. So. For anyone out oh there God. whose kid has like uh, you see them climbing or it's like an arm extension, that's probably what it is. So if I can impart any kind of wisdom to them, <laughs> it's like don't immediately panic. If the kid's not screaming in pain yeah. but their arm is lame, then that's probably what's happened.
1: How long until you go back to the trampolinium?
0: Uh, oh, she was on a trampoline uh, on Wednesday. <laughs> not that, All right. Not that. She didn't go to the trampolinium. She didn't go to bounce. Yeah. But she went straight back on the trampoline. I yeah. think it, was, it has nothing to do with, her it was just an accident you know it was just one of those
1: things that happen i agree with that and if I'm ever at any of those places, if I ever am the proprietor of one of those places, I'm going to have a special, like a light under the desk, like a, a burglar light. <laughs> and when a birthday party of eight-year-old boys shows yeah. up, I'm just going to hit that and it's, it flashes some particular kind of light that you've warned everyone. I'm going to go, okay, the chimpanzees are out <laughs> rolling through Taronga Zoo and they're just stealing packs of chips and fucking your shit up. <laughs> Maybe keep your kids close for a little while. Because <laughs> I remember being an eight-year-old boy yeah. in a birthday party it's just you Crazy. can't stop yourself. No. It's bonkers and yeah. you will run over everyone and you don't have any idea. I'm happy that she's okay, mate. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be on the other end of that phone call 100Ks away with no car. That would yeah. have been really tough, dude. That would have been really, really hard. I've, there was a lot of screaming at our place this oh, week. Oh, great. Yeah, it's been unreal and like proper because in the past when Wolfie threw the shits around <laughs> bedtime, he would just scream. And it was, you'd try to kind of discern from the timbre and the tone of the scream if it was a, is this a real one mm. or is this a- Protest. Protest. Is this abandonment or the anger? Yeah. Now he's got words and lots of words. <laughs> and so he will go, I don't want you to leave me alone. I don't feel good when you leave me alone. Come back Oop. here. Don't leave me by myself. I'm lonely. Right. But screaming. So- We've we've since, you know, implemented a new routine and we're trying to, as you know remember, we're trying to get Wolfie into his big bed and we're trying to get him out of his cot. And so we were trying to, uh, there's one particular day we were like, I came out, we want you to have a nap in your big bed, okay? Uh, try to stay in your big bed and try to have a nap. And he's all right into it until you leave the room. Okay. And then he just can't fucking handle it, which is fair enough, right? We've since moved to a different technique after this date. So... To keep him safe because we can't really baby-proof our house. The way our house is, we can't baby-proof everything. So we've got a, a stair gate across his door. So he can open his door and then there's a baby gate right there. Mm-hmm. So put him in his big bed, okay, mate, you're going to have a nap here. Just kind of just try to lie here, hug Bunny, and we'll see you, in, you know, when you wake up. And don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. Door opens and then he's banging, he's banging, He's screaming. It was essentially like a prison riot. (laughs) He was
0: running his tin mug across the bars.
1: Mate, it wasn't the abandonment noise, which is okay, because when it's the abandonment noise, that sets off that thing in your brain that makes you, essentially you'd run through a brick wall to Mm -hmm. to save them. Mm -hmm. It was just anger and fuck you. And he rattled the bars for a while, (laughs) like there's a riot going on in cell block number nine. And then... He, you know, we've told him, like, we've got to be careful of the books. So he's like, all right, really? We've got to be careful of the books? Well, watch this. Fucking dire wombat comes over the gate. Fat Pat comes wow. over the gate. Three bluey books, a very hungry caterpillar. It's just like, you know, that scene in Ghostbusters. The books are just flying out of his room and we're trying to keep out of his eye line so he can't, you know, no audience, no show. Yeah. We're just watching all this stuff going on. The wombat, the platypus, the bunny, the other bunny. Wow. The little, every soft toy gets thrown out of the room, the blanket, the pillow. Then his onesie flies out of the room. <laughs> then his nappy flies out of the room. he like got a poltergeist. He has stripped himself naked and he is just <laughs> so upset. Wow. His, the, the living room is just full of whatever used to be in his baby room. And- we were trying to be like not react to this. He hasn't done it since. He hasn't had a, a tantrum like that since. But good God, it's the the difference between the anger noise and the abandonment noise, it's, it's very subtle. Mm. And if uh, you are expecting a, a child and if you're expecting your first child, just know that these little beautiful cuddly things in the first few hours of their life, they seep some bizarre pheromonal trick into your brain mm. that just writes this source code of like, and when I make this sound, everything in the world will stop mattering and you will destroy all in your path to save me. <laughs> and you're like, you didn't realise that it was there. And then suddenly they make this noise and you will walk through a wall of flame to get this kid out of what, it, and, but he wasn't making that noise, but he was just on this side of it. Yeah, It's easier for me because I, just the way that my brain works and I'm kind of a bit more compartmentalised around things, it's very tough for Audrey. Mm. And so it was really, really hard. It was really hard. Every now and again, he would kind of slip up into that abandonment noise and then it would just get angry again. And, you know, <laughs> and then fucking, where's the green sheep? Here's the fucking green sheep. Like, bang. <laughs> Over the fence. He hasn't done that since, but, man, I was impressed. And how did you bring the energy down? Like,
0: What was your tactic?
1: We, at that point, just pick him up naked because he's so tired. He's so tired and he's completely unable to, you know, control himself. And and when you hold him like that, it's literally like trying to get a a full-size bluefin tuna into a tinny. Like he's just fully, like... And I've got a fucked hip and I can, you know, it's hard to balance at the best of times. And yeah. you just, I just hold him and just hold him and hold him. And after about eight to 10 minutes, he'll eventually stop. But, yeah, yeah we've, we've since, we've gone back to um, Tizzy Hall, that great book that you and Jem told us to get. She's got a book about toddlers. Okay. And Save Our Sleep for Toddlers. So we've gone back to her method, which is working pretty well, well, so far. But, yeah, we were at a loose end, man. It was, uh I was impressed, I've got to
0: say there is something I always you describe it like trying to land a fish. I always say it's like trying to put a cat in the bathtub, like when Iona is kind yep. of and it's only really with with me she doesn't really with Jem she'll have the tantrum, but it's not like a physical thing. I think maybe because I'm bigger, she's sort of like feels the need to like physically assault me but it's a similar thing where she'll do back bends. it's like reagan in the exorcist she's like back bending yeah. and swinging yeah. around and she gives me like a don't argue like she's really good at doing that as well but yeah. it's one of those things where it's kind of you don't want to like constrict them because obviously they need to throw it, but you also like it's this balancing act isn't it where you need you want to give them some kind of comfort without yeah. kind of like physically dominating them and then with iona it's kind of I tend to like try and just put a hand on the back or just to show my presence is here. And, and eventually what she'll do is she's having her tantrum, but then she just wants to cuddle. You know, she needs to blow off some steam, but then she'll come and yeah. throw herself on me and bury her, her face in my, in my neck, which is, I've got to say, you know, it's beautiful. <laughs> like I will, I will enjoy the 10 minutes of the the cat in the bathtub yeah. just to get that bit where her body <laughs> like collapses onto me and then I can calm her down. But man, it's, it's must yeah. be just like the hormones, right? Like that, you know, especially yeah. uh, maybe for Wolfie, like it just, a
1: he's getting a first like proper shot of testosterone <laughs> just bumps through his system and he well, rips the shirt off. And it's like, come at me, bro. <laughs> I'm looking forward. We're speaking with Stephanie Simopoulos later in the show. She's an early childhood educator. And I'd love to hear some strategies from her about dealing with the kind of really physical tantrums because, look, I get why up until about, I don't know, 1998, people just went, bang, stop that and yeah. you know I understand I don't advocate it but I get it Yeah, I get why people did it I don't think it's a good idea and I don't want to do that and I don't think any of us want to do that but no. what do we do so I'm looking forward to uh, hearing from her I'd love to hear from you too we'd both love to hear from you you can send us an email askdadpod at gmail.com Bella wrote to us a little while ago she's got a follow up I can't wait to hear from it If you ever need us, uh, Charlie and I are always available, askdadpod at gmail.com. Bella wrote to us a little while ago, Charlie, and uh, her father got remarried and Bella gained a younger sister. And she wanted to know my experience of gaining a stepdaughter and what Georgia's experience was like as Wolfie was coming into the world gaining a, a, a younger sibling. And she wrote back saying, I was curious about Georgia when my parents divorced last year. Your advice helped because my dad's new girlfriend has a 13-year-old, the biggest lesson I've learned, is not just me anymore. I have to think about someone else. Obviously, she's not my responsibility, but when I'm staying at dad's and the parents are out, I have to look after her. So honestly, just taking care of a child has been a big lesson. It's always just been me. So having to adjust to someone else has been a challenge. Seeing dad happy and finally getting a sister has been wonderful. She is lovely, and we get along. Helping oh. her with homework and getting to give like a big sister has made it worth it. And Charlie, that really does just buoys my heart because you know the the modern world is is that people break up and then people get back together, and you know you get instant families and kids show up, and sometimes there'll be a, quite a big gap of ages. And that Bella wrote back, and you know has had such a positive experience is quite wonderful. What's the age gap between, you're the youngest of nine, what's yeah. the age gap between you and the next oldest? Four
0: years between me and my sister okay. above me. And then, I mean, most of the kids from the top down to my sister above me is about one or two years, but then there was a bit of a gap. I think mum and dad thought, well, we're done. And then I yeah, believe right. they won a free trip to Fiji. And uh, as you know, Osh, uh, the island of love.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, Wolfie's
1: a Fiji baby. He yeah, sure you is. <laughs> So you've got a, you're a Fijian. Oh, that's lovely. No yeah. wonder you like Audrey's curry. Well, of five, course, five percent
0: chlorine. <laughs> from what
1: I understand, <laughs> <laughs> that would have helped in the flood cleanup, mate. That's great. That's good news. But it's really important that you know if you are a dad, but particularly, and I guess the more common thing is if you're a, a single man who's never had children, you are dating a woman who's already got a kid, and you would like to have more kids. That managing a slightly older child who's probably got a very tight relationship with their mum and the arrival of a new baby is a factor. And it was a factor that Audrey and Georgia and myself worked through. And, you know, it took work, but it's worth it. And Georgia and Wolf now have the most absolutely wonderful relationship, which is really, really nice. And at Georgia's 18th, we all went down to her dad's farm, all four of us, me and Audrey (laughs) and George's dad and his wife, we were just standing around going, oh, yeah. We did it. <laughs> like It was it was really nice, man. It was really – because it, can it cannot end up like that, you know. We've yeah. all heard the stories of how it ends with animosity. But it was really, really lovely. If you put the well-being of the kid as the number one priority, it's going to be okay. Yeah. If you start, you know, using or, or trying to leverage the kids against your ex or in any other way, it's always going to be horrible. And I've got massive credit to Audrey and – george's dad for doing that the whole way along because it was awesome and it worked out really well all right should we get to our guest absolutely i'd love to hear a bit more about what she has to say around pulled elbows and, and prison rights. um <laughs> we'll speak to stephanie in just a moment <laughs> Charlie, I'm very grateful to welcome our guest today because, uh, look, we are only – we're not even experts. We're just literally making it up as we go along. Uh, <laughs> but thankfully, Stephanie Simopoulos has had 14 years of early childhood education behind her. She is the Centre Director of the Froebel Early Education Centre in Melbourne, which is a has got a focus in STEM learning – an immersive language in in fact they speak german there which is amazing stephanie thank you so much for joining us on dad pod boy we've got some questions (laughs) charlie had a bit of a mishap with uh, iona the other day and we'd love to get your thoughts (laughs) on what happens when things actually don't go well
0: well steph i guess my my my, my question is are you familiar with the uh, common toddler affliction of the pulled elbow
2: Oh yeah, I I am. I understand that they do have uh, more susceptibility to be, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So
0: I um, pulled
2: by an elbow. Yeah. So yes. so
0: Iona, uh had a pulled elbow, which initially we thought maybe was something more serious. We had to get it to the hospital. I went through a range of emotions. It's the mo- it's the most serious injury that she's ever had, and at the stage where we didn't know what had happened, like this sort of like. Rising and falling panic, and you know, your, your, your mind goes into all these different areas. I guess what I want to know is as an early child educator, when a child hurts themselves, what is the best thing you can do for them? And what is the best thing you can do for you? How do you stay calm? And what does the child need to hear?
2: It's a really good question because the first time I ever saw a child that had a pulled elbow. I was much like you. I think I was about 19 and the first time I'd seen it, we couldn't work out where it was coming from. And obviously you touch their wrists, you touch their hands. It it all seems like it could come from anywhere on an arm. So it's really scary. Now the best thing to do is obviously try and keep the child calm and the best way to do that is for you to be calm. But the biggest challenge is actually keeping a parent calm. So I know that when I have to make those kind of phone calls that say something scary has happened, the best thing to do is explain what's happened exactly the way that it has, what we're doing for the child and how comfortable they are. And another thing is always to remember that there is no point in telling a parent that their child isn't upset if they are. So the best thing that you can do is turn around and kind of say, look, this is what's happened. Your child is, they are upset, but they're with me, I'm holding them and we're going to wait together until you get here or until an ambulance gets here and this is what's going on. I don't think it's ever a good idea to say like, oh, everything's fine. And then when a parent comes in and sees the gravity of a situation, you will panic. You'll absolutely panic. Like that's your baby. That's your number one. So the first time you see something like that is really overwhelming. But for staff, I guess we're trained in it. In best practice, you would make sure that all your educators had first aid. That doesn't mean that the first time you see something like that, it isn't confronting. But it does mean that you do something happens in the back of your mind that you kind of go, I've heard about this, I know about this, and these are the things that I can do.
1: What about, Stephanie, where, like I only had to go to hospital and there was the green whistle and there were x-rays and there were strange people coming in behind a curtain and examining her. Is it best to, I don't know, throw some bluey on the phone and get a look at it while people come in, or is it best to explain everything that's going on?
2: I think it depends what your parenting style is, and I think that you could probably do both. I don't have children, but I'd like to think that when I do, I want to be as upfront as I can and I want to explain those kind of things. I want to prepare them for everything that I can. So I think those kind of relationships are important to have with your child and especially you want them to be progressive and you want them to understand the things that are going on around us. But at the same time, if you have to put Bluey on 100%, like if if you've got a child and you're at a moment in time where, you know, they are upset and it's the only thing that calms them, why wouldn't you do that for them? So I don't think there's any right or wrong answers. I think that you have to go in the moment.
0: I I wasn't actually there uh, when the accident happened. My wife was with her and um, there was a woman there, an older lady who had six children of her own, who first of all said, look, trust me, this is going to happen multiple times and let me just go get a, a (laughs) a lollipop for her. And apparently that was... A great way in the initial kind of first stages of, of of the panic and and the stress of calming Iona down because a kid no matter how badly they're hurt is not going to turn down like the chance to get a lollipop and so that was the Never. first stage of it and then like Osh says when they got to the hospital it was a case of Iona is pretty good you know she's seen doctors before and she's aware of the process but it was alternating between let's watch a bit of Bluey let's have a bit of a cuddle let's have a talk but there's this. It was that balancing act of not trying to kind of distract or or lie to her about what was happening but also making the experience not scary.
2: Absolutely. Like, look, I hope that she doesn't have another pulled elbow but I – I do know that going to the hospital will. Well, she
0: did less than 24 hours later. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we had to take her to the hospital less than 24 hours later. So off to Was it that easier stuff, the
2: second time around? <laughs> yeah,
0: it was. We weren't as freaked out by the fact that her arm wouldn't move. And, I mean, she, it wasn't painful for her. Like, it was a little painful, but it wasn't like she yeah. was screaming. It was just more, you know, she couldn't move her arm. And then once they slipped yeah, that course. ligament back into place, it's like magic. She's, you know, she was very proudly showing us, oh, my arm moves, my arm moves.
2: Oh, excellent. Well, yeah, (laughs) she's definitely on the mend. And I guess that there are like children, some children, sorry, are actually more susceptible to um, those kind of injuries. Some children do have weaker joints and that's normal too. Sometimes parents will come into early education and say, look, he's been having um, a pulled wrist or a pulled elbow for the
1: whole time that we've known him. Yeah. When you are in those states as a parent, it can be very distressing, obviously. What are some ways that as a parent you can maintain calm what are some things that you can do as someone who's heaven forbid riding in an ambulance with your kid or you know worst case scenario you know living in at ronald mcdonald house taking your kid to treatment every day you know when it yeah, gets I to couldn't, you know
2: i couldn't imagine that but we're actually where i am we're pretty close to the hospitals there and you know parents will tell us stories of having the therapy dogs that come in and different things that have happened during the day so i mean at the end of the day i don't think anyone should have to go through that and i, yeah. can't, I can't even imagine what that kind of lifestyle would be like but I guess as a parent the best thing that you can do is kind of arm yourself there are some really good first aid courses for parents and I think everyone should be doing them I find it quite surprising that it's not something that is almost a requirement of being a parent sometimes I wonder if there's a contract that we should have when when you're about to have a baby because you want to look after them and you want to have as much ammunition as possible when you're faced with those situations but the best thing that I could recommend was you know when you are pregnant and when you're or when you're expecting to definitely do a first aid course because sometimes in those moments of absolute panic you obviously draw on things that you've learned and having those situations as a part of your your psyche essentially will bring you into a place where you can be calm having said that I think that if it's your own child yeah. I think that naturally you will panic more. I know that when incidents happen at a centre, obviously these aren't my children. I am far removed, so I can remain calmer. However, if this happened to my friend, I'd be probably way more panicked. So I guess it's just about, yeah, arming yourself with the right skills to prepare yourself for the situations that are probably going to
1: happen at one point in time. A situation that probably happens uh, quite a bit at uh, your centre twice and-
2: for Charlie in the last two <laughs> <weeks>. years, <laughs> but a situation that
1: happens probably quite a bit at your centre, and I'm guessing particularly around drop-off time. It happened with me this morning with Wolf, a tantrums, and uh, Wolf had a tantrum the other day, Stephanie. That was like uh, like a prison riot i mean every book was getting thrown i mean if he had a lighter that he would have set the place on fire yeah. everything got thrown out of his room over the baby gate books his light blanket pillow every soft toy stripped himself naked threw his nappy out trying to calm him after that was you know because we were trying to go like well no audience no show but it just kept escalating and escalating and escalating he's Quite. He's like 18, 19 kilos now. He's nearly 3. So Is he's he really? he's, he's a, Oh my. He's goodness. a unit. Yeah, he's a <laughs> dude, he's a unit. I'm telling you, it was like trying to get a bluefin tuna into a tinny. He's yeah, right. like oh, it's like a front rower into a tinny. Dude, he wriggles around so much. I'm like, I'm going to fucking drop him or he's going to knock his head on something.
2: I <laughs> know. Uh, yeah, and you can't and you can't really restrain children. There are, a lot of, you know, there are a lot of things about that as well. So
1: yeah, okay, that's a, a be We old. we were saying earlier, I can understand <laughs> while in Charles Dickens' times, they just go bang backhand. <laughs> (laughs) and that was the solution now we aren't ever going to do that but how can you de-escalate a tantrum of that level de-escalating
2: a tantrum i will give you as much advice as i can but i think that it's always going to be something that's evolving so when children are showing that connection seeking behavior it's quite often that they don't want to do something or they don't agree with what you want to do which is you know completely normal so I guess that kind of behaviour, you're absolutely right. It's like out of sight, out of mind. If you don't pay it attention, then it shouldn't continue to escalate. But children are determined. They are more determined than anybody that you know. And quite often in those kind of situations, and we do have them at care with children not wanting to come in, but it's trying to create a routine that also allows some choice. What I find and what I found throughout my entire career is if a child is more prepared for what's about to happen or if a child has a little bit of weigh-in or buy-in about what's going to happen, you should probably find things a little bit easier. For example, if in the morning you're like, all right, we're going to go to childcare or whatever you call your childcare, you get to pick what we have for breakfast this morning. There's you two options. And you kind of start the routine off with some buy-in, like, well, you know, we're going to drive this way do you want to drive this way? Do you want to drive past that park we go to? And it's not always about compromise. Like I do understand that, you know, you're a parent and you can't just compromise all day. Mm. It's completely unrealistic to be like, I'll do this if you do this because that's not the way that the world works. But there are also some times that when you find that you are giving children some choices, then making their own decisions will kind of calm them down from that situation. But the trick is that it, it's harder to get a child past that Once they're already heightened, usually you have to begin the routine before the tantrum
0: started. Well, so just say you, you have left it too late and Mm. you know, it's mid prison, right? Because I think like Gemma and I will have two tactics and maybe it's a dad mum thing, but I tend to allow the tantrum to go and ignore it, not, uh, as Osh says, no audience, no show. Even if I'm in the room, I'll try not to respond or give her a reaction, whereas Jem is very much about, look, she needs comfort, just give her some comfort if she's she's distressed. And so, I mean, are both those approaches valid? Is one of us making a mistake? Could we be doing something differently?
2: Neither of you are making a mistake at all. I guess that one thing is absolutely ignoring the behaviour because it's not something, if you give it air, it will obviously keep breathing, so absolutely. But on the other side, that child is feeling an emotion or your daughter is feeling an emotion that she can't deal with. Mm. So one of the best things in that situation is trying to talk about it after it's over. So, you know, going back in and saying, like, I saw you were pretty mad before. Um, I could see you were really frustrated about something. Do you want to talk about that? Or, you know, naming a feeling is quite good too. So if you could see that she was frustrated or she was angry, You could say you were pretty angry before, you know, what was that about? How are we going to make sure that doesn't happen again? What can I do? What can you do? And this is, you know, you can also say this is what will happen in the future. Like maybe next time we get ready we could do A, B or C. So it's definitely like ignoring it is 100%. I would definitely do it. But making sure that you do kind of go back because she also needs to know that you're her safe place.
0: Yeah. That's good advice for adults. I know some adults where I feel like once shit's calmed down, you need to go in and say, what was all that about? Yeah.
2: That's 100% what happens. And sometimes when a child goes into childcare, I suppose, and they absolutely lose their mind, I think it's really good to remember, imagine you going to a place where there's 30 people there and you don't necessarily like all of them and you're alone. It's like going to, you know, a function where you're just like, God, do I want to do this today? They realistically have no choice. So you, you also do need to give a bit of, um, you know, understanding mm. about that because if you put yourself in that position, I wouldn't want to do it every day. Mm. So we've got to try and
1: work out how we can, you know, make an agreement with our child. Stephanie it's so great to have you on the show and just the sheer volume of experience that you've had I've only got two and and you know one of them's 18 now and the other one's nearly three but you've seen hundreds if not thousands of kids go through these moments and the distillation of your guidance there it comes with such value we're really grateful you came on the show thanks for your time today
2: thank you thanks Steph thanks so much
1: Well, Charlie, I think we've all learned something today, particularly around when you're in the unfortunate yet inevitable situation when your kid gets injured.
0: Yeah, I think like taking first aid uh, course is brilliant. I did do a first aid course initially when I was born, probably time to dust that off. But also like Bluey is a wonderful show and it also works as a fantastic painkiller.
1: Yeah, stay calm, make sure you stay calm, explain what's going on and if distractions needed in the situation, distract the child, that's totally fine. When it came to try to de-escalate a tantrum, we learned today that that starts before the tantrum, preparing the kid, having some agency, letting them know later on this is going to happen, what would you like to do when we get there or how? It, letting them know they have choices in what's going to happen in the moment so it's not a surprise, knowing that will calm them, ignoring them, Uh, ignoring that behaviour is a factor, but also trying to have a bit of a chat to them about it's over and naming the feelings. Debrief. Yeah, having a debrief, naming the feelings and trying to talk about how can we avoid that happening uh, next time.
0: Also good advice for
1: adults, I think. Also good advice for adults, particularly dads called Osho who aren't sleeping much. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Please like, rate, subscribe, review, everything. Tell a mate. Tell them a, a bloke you know who's a, a new dad or a dad-to-be. Send it to your own dad. Send it to your, your wife, your partner, whoever. DadPod at gmail.com is where we are if you want to write to us and you can always find us at Graham Charlie. Good luck with the elbow scenario. I hope Iona feels better. And I think until we see you next time. Don't touch that.